Hey everybody, welcome back to the Page to Screen edition of the Yakin County Public Library podcast, where each month we usually discuss a book that's been turned into a movie or a TV series, as well as the reception of each of those. For this installment of Page to Screen, since we're coming up on Halloween and the spooky season, I thought it might be fun to go over a list of spooky books and their accompanying film adaptations. There were just too many to choose from, and Halloween and fall is my absolute favorite time of the year. My husband and I have a 31 Days of Halloween movie marathon every year where we try to pack in as many spooky movies as possible. This year, we started off with Hocus Pocus 2, which was really exciting for us because we were <laughs> we were 90s kids. So we've been waiting on the sequel for a while now, like 29 years. <laughs> I don't want to say anything about the movie and ruin it for anyone that hasn't seen it yet, but we did enjoy it. So we may be adding that to our rotation of movies um, and for future years. But anyways, let's go ahead and get started with our Halloween book list. So since there are so many book-to-movie adaptations to choose from, this podcast episode will actually be a part one and a part two. Part two will be published on the last Wednesday of October. We're going to start with the oldest books on the list and work our way up. The very first book we'll discuss is one of the most popular and horrifying tales of all time. Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, written by Mary Shelley, was actually the product of a competition amongst other great authors, including Lord Byron and Percy Shelley, who was actually Mary Shelley's husband. Um, And it was a competition between them to see who could come up with the best horror story while they were, I think they were stuck inside um, or something during rain, a rainy season. I'm not sure. Anyways, there was a competition um, between the three of them to see who could come up with the best story. An 1818 novel written by English author Mary Shelley. Frankenstein tells the story of Victor Frankenstein, and some of you may already know, but the titular character is often confused as the monster, but he is actually the monster's creator. Frankenstein is a young scientist who creates a sapient creature in an unorthodox scientific experiment. Shelley started writing the story when she was 18, and the first edition was published anonymously in London on January 1st, 1818, when she was 20. Her name first appeared in the second edition, which was published in Paris in 1821. After thinking for days, Shelley was inspired to write Frankenstein after imagining a scientist who created life and was horrified by what he had made. Though Frankenstein is infused with elements of the Gothic novel and the Romantic movement, Brian Aldiz has argued for regarding it as the first true science fiction story. In contrast to previous stories with fantastical elements resembling those of later science fiction, Aldous states, the central character makes a deliberate decision and turns to modern experiments in the laboratory to achieve fantastic results. The novels had a considerable influence on literature and on popular culture. It has spawned a complete genre of horror stories, films, and plays. The 1931 film Frankenstein is considered one of the most prominent cinematic portrayals of Frankenstein, with Boris Karloff playing the lead character of the monster. This American pre-code science fiction horror film was directed by James Whale, produced by Carl Lamley Jr. I don't know that I said that name right, but it was uh, adapted from a 1927 play by Peggy Webling, based on Mary Shelley's book. Frankenstein stars Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein, Boris Karloff as the monster, and alongside Clive and Karloff, the film's cast also includes Mae Clark, John Bowles, Dwight Fry, and Edward Van Sloan. Produced and distributed by Universal Pictures, the film was a commercial success upon release and was generally well-received by both critics and audiences. It spawned a number of sequels and spinoffs and has had a significant impact on popular culture. 
the imagery of a maniacal mad scientist with a subservient hunchbacked assistant, and the film's depiction of Frankenstein's monster have since become iconic. A few years ago, my husband and I actually went to Universal Studios, and they were doing a Halloween um, Horror Nights event, and one of the houses uh, was actually kind of based on all of these Universal monsters that they are so famous for, you know, that they kind of helped create in the movie industry. Um, anyways, Frankenstein was obviously a part of that, and they, they did it really well. They did a good job on that. Anyways, that was a bit of a sidebar, um, but if any of you are into, you know, those kind of like um, haunted houses and things, that, that was a really fun trip that we took, and I would love to go back sometime, but I don't know that they do that house every year, um, but that year was really fun. So anyways, back to uh, Frankenstein. So in 1991, the United States Library of Congress actually selected Frankenstein for preservation in the National Film Registry as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Although there have been countless films and adaptations that feature Frankenstein's monster in the 91 years, it seems so weird that it's been that long, um, but it's been 91 years since the Universal Film Classic came out in 1931. I think that the 1994 version, um, and it's called Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, is also worth a mention. Considered the most faithful film adaptation of Mary Shelley's 1818 novel, despite several differences and additions in plot from the book, the film fo follows medical student Victor Frankenstein on his quest to create new life. The 1994 science fiction horror film was directed by Kenneth Branagh, who also stars as Victor Frankenstein, with Robert De Niro portraying Frankenstein's monster, called The Creation in the film. The movie co-stars Tom Hulse, Hel Helena Bonham Carter, Ian Holm, John Cleese, Richard Briers, and Aidan Quinn. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein premiered at the London Film Festival and was released theatrically on November 4, 1994, by TriStar Pictures. The film received mixed reviews from critics, grossing $112 million worldwide on a budget of $45 million, deeming it less successful than the previous Francis Ford Coppola-produced horror adaptation, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was produced in 1992. If you're interested in reading Frankenstein or learning more about the author, we do have Frankenstein, the book, as well as some biographies on Mary Shelley available here at the Atkin Library, and we could also request those movies in for you too, um, the 1931 and the 1994 film adaptations through NC Cardinal, if you're interested in watching them. So next up on our list, we're going to move on to another classic monster from the 1800s, one that's pretty well known as much as Frankenstein is. Dracula is a novel by Bram Stoker, published in 1897 and mostly written in the 1890s. Stoker produced over 100 pages of notes for the novel, drawing extensively from Transylvania folklore and history. Some scholars have suggested that the character of Dracula was inspired by historical figures like the Wallachian prince, Vlad the Impaler, or the countess, Elizabeth Bathory, but there's widespread disagreement. Stoker's notes mention neither figure. He found the name Dracula in Whitby's public library while holidaying there, picking it because he thought it meant devil in Romanian. In addition to Transylvania folklore, some elements of Irish folklore have been proposed as possible influences on Stoker. Bob Curran, a lecturer in Celtic history and folklore at the University of Ulster, Coleraine, suggested in the peer-reviewed historian journal History Ireland that Stoker may have drawn some inspiration for Dracula from the Irish vampire Abhartok. Dracula was not the first piece of literature to depict vampires, but the novel has nonetheless come to dominate both popular 
and scholarly treatments of vampire fiction. Count Dracula is the first character to come to mind when people discuss vampires. Dracula succeeded by drawing together folklore, legend, vampire fiction, and the conventions of the Gothic novel. Wendy Doniger described the novel as vampire literature's centerpiece. It profoundly shaped the popular understanding of how vampires function, including their strengths, weaknesses, and other characteristics. Following its publication, Dracula was positively reviewed by re- received by reviewers who pointed to its effective use of horror. In contrast, reviewers who wrote negatively of the novel regarded it as excessively frightening. Comparisons to other works of gothic fiction were common, including its structural similarity to Wilkie Collins's The Woman in White, which was written in 1859. In the past century, Dracula has been situated as a piece of gothic fiction. Modern scholars explore the novel within its historical context, the Victorian era, and discuss its depiction of gender roles, sexuality, and race. Dracula is one of the most famous pieces of English literature. Many of the book's characters have entered popular culture as archetypal versions of their characters. For example, Count Dracula as the quintessential vampire, and Abraham Van Helsing as an iconic vampire hunter. The novel, which is in the public domain, has been adapted for film over 30 times, and its characters have made numerous appearances in virtually all media. Dracula was published in London in May 1897 by Archibald Constable and Company. It cost six shillings and was bound in yellow cloth and titled in red letters. In 2002, a biographer, Barbara Belford, wrote that the novel looked shabby, perhaps because the title had been changed at a late stage. Although contracts were typically signed at least six months ahead of publication, Dracula's was unusually signed only six days prior to publication. For the first thousand sales of the novel, Stoker earned no royalties. Following serialization by American newspapers, Doubleday and McClure published an American edition in 1899. In the 1930s, when Universal Studios purchased the rights to make a film version, it was discovered that that Stoker had not fully complied with U.S. copyright law, placing the novel into the public domain. The novelist was required to purchase the copyright and register two copies, but he registered only one. Charlotte Stoker, Bram's mother, gushed about the novel to the author, predicting it would bring him immense financial success, and she was wrong. The novel, although reviewed well, did not make Stoker much money and did not submit his critical legacy until after his death. We see that a lot in literature, it seems. Since its publication, Dracula has never been out of print, and the book has been adapted a large number of times across virtually all forms of media. John Edgar Browning and Caroline Joan S. Picard wrote, write that the novel and its characters have been adapted for film, television, video games, and animation over 700 times, with nearly a thousand additional appearances in comic books and on the stage. Across the world, completed new adaptations can be produced as often as every week. Stoker himself wrote the first theatrical adaptation, which was presented at the Lyceum Theater on May 18, 1897, under the title Dracula or the Undead shortly before the novel's publication, and performed only once in order to establish his own copyright for such adaptations. Although the manuscript was believed lost, the British Library actually possesses a copy. It consists of extracts from the novel's galley, proof with Stoker's own handwriting providing direction and dialogue attribution. The first film to feature Count Dracula was, and I know I'm not going to say this right, um, but it's a Hungarian silent film, and it was called Karoli Lajthe Dracula Halala which translates into The Death of Dracula. 
Very little of the film has survived, and David J. Skull notes that the cover artist for the 1926 Hungarian version of the film was more influenced by the second adaptation of Dracula, um, F.W. Murnau's Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Critic Wayne E. Hensley writes that the film's narrative differs significantly from the novel, but the characters have clear counterparts. Bram Stoker's widow, Florence, initiated legal action against the film studio Prana. The legal case lasted two or three years, and in May 1924, Prana agreed to destroy all copies of the film. Later prominent portrayals of the character by Bela Lugosi in a 1931 adaptation and Christopher Lee, firstly in the 1958 film and later its sequels, built upon earlier versions. Chiefly, Dracula's early visual style involved a black-red color scheme and slicked back hair. Lee's portrayal popularized fangs on screen, and Gary Oldman's portrayal in Bram Stoker's Dracula um, in the 1992 version, directed by Francis Ford Coppola and costumed by Aiko Ishioko, established a new default look for the character, a Romanian accent and long hair. The assortment of adaptations feature many different dispositions and characteristics of the Count. The three that I've just mentioned are probably the most well-known in pop culture of the countless adaptations that have been produced, and we have all three available for checkout through NC Cardinal, as well as several copies of Dracula, the book, here at the Yakin Library. The next classic is a personal favorite of mine, this story, as well as the accompanying film adaptations. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is a gothic story by American author Washington Irving, contained in his collection of 34 essays and short stories titled The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, Gent. Written while Irving was living abroad in Birmingham, England, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow was first published in 1819. Along with Irving's companion piece, Rip Van Winkle, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is among the earliest examples of American fiction with enduring popularity, especially during Halloween because of a character known as the Headless Horseman believed to be a Hessian soldier who is decapitated by a cannonball in battle. The story is set in 1790, so right after the Revolutionary War, in the countryside around the Dutch settlement of Terrytown, historically Terrytown, New York, in a secluded glen known as Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow is renowned for its ghost and the haunting atmosphere that pervades the imaginations of its inhabitants and visitors. Some residents say this town was bewitched during the early days of the Dutch settlement while others claim that the mysterious atmosphere was caused by an old Native American chief, the wizard of his tribe, before the country was discovered by Master Hendrick Hudson. Residents of the town are seemingly subjected to various supernatural and mysterious occurrences. They are subjected to trance-like visions and frequented by strange sights, music, and voices in the air. The inhabitants of Sleepy Hollow are fascinated by the local tales, haunted spots, and twilight superstitions on account of the mysterious occurrences and haunting atmosphere. The most infamous specter in the hollow and the commander-in-chief of all the powers of the air is the Headless Horseman. As mentioned before, he is supposedly the resting, restless ghost of a Hessian trooper whose head had been shot off by a stray cannonball during some nameless battle of the Revolution, and he rides forth to the scene of the battle in nightly quest of his head. The legend relates the tale of Ichabod Crane, a lean, lanky, and extremely superstitious schoolmaster from Connecticut. Throughout his stay at Sleepy Hollow, Crane is able to make himself both useful and agreeable to the families that he lodges with. 